If you're committed to transitioning to a new role outside of the classroom, let me give you some advice. Don't try to navigate this journey all on your own. The Teacher Career Coach course will walk you step-by-step through the entire process. When you sign up, you'll get help picking your career path, have access to a library of transition resumes for teachers written by a professional, and even gain access to a list of hundreds of companies that hire teachers. Most importantly, you'll join our exclusive private community to collaborate with others and network. I've dedicated my time putting together templates and resources to create the most thorough program to help save you time. Learn more about the Teacher Career Coach course at teachercareercoach.com forward slash course. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. In this episode, I interview Luke Owings from Invited MBA. Luke has taught higher education. He's worked at education companies, and now he actually works for Invited MBA with a mission to support others with business education. If you've found yourself battling imposter syndrome or feeling inexperienced when applying or interviewing for corporate roles, this is the episode for you. Before we even get started, I just want to warn you, this is a super informative episode with terminology you might not be familiar with. And if you don't have a pen and paper ready to take notes, just don't worry. I'll link the transcript and all of the relative information in this episode's show notes. Now on to my amazing interview with Luke. Hey, Luke, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining us here today. Hey, Daphne, it's great to be here. Uh, Luke, I wanted to invite you on to just share your expert knowledge when it comes to everything business oriented. But first, I really wanted to hear you explain some of your impressive background in the education space, at tech space, and in the business world. Absolutely, absolutely, Daphne. Let me just start by saying I think what you're doing here is awesome. And thank you so much for having me on. I, I come from a long line of teachers. Both of my parents were teachers at university. Uh, and I've self-identified as a teacher for about 10 years. Uh, I didn't start that way. You know, I started my career actually as a consultant. I worked at McKinsey & Company, the big consulting company, for for a number of years. And then when I went back to business school and I went back to grad school, I, I saw a flyer on the wall and decided to become a teaching fellow. And quite honestly, it changed my life. Um, I was a teaching fellow when I was at Harvard for their undergrad economics class, and I had 30 people who I saw through from one end to the other. And I I have to say, it was a lot easier than what a lot of our K through 12 and high school teachers have to deal with. It, It really did change my life, though, because it showed me how I could bring to bear some of the skills I had in a new space that was rewarding, satisfying, and and really shaped my career from then on. And so after I I graduated business school, I actually joined an ed tech company in Cambridge. I spent the next three years running the operations, trying to build out month-long business boot camps. Left that, actually ran a a people department where I oversaw learning and development in a new organization, about 500 people, where we had to think about what skills they needed and what skills they needed going forward. And then lastly, I went to McKinsey and, and spent the last three years working with clients as part of McKinsey Academy and our capability building group. And I really got to see what great teaching, what great facilitation, what great instructional design does 
does even in the corporate space. And so in my current role as, as a head of product at a company called Ability, uh, I oversee a program called Invited MBA, uh, which is uh, uh, one of our programs that actually helps people translate skills they have into the business world. And teachers are, are one really important area that I think we would love to work with. And this is one of the reasons I'm on this podcast, Daphne. So I agree that, you know, there are so many ways that teachers can translate their skills to go into a corporate environment. I think that teachers come in with a strong footing for learning and development roles, you know, corporate trainer mm -hmm. types of positions. But then there are skill sets that they need to add in addition mm -hmm. to just being able to translate the skills that they've already learned through their experience in education. Can you talk a little bit about what types of skills you think that teachers should be adding to their resumes as well? Absolutely, absolutely. And I love how you laid that out, skills that teachers already bring, translating them. There's the communication ones, the organizational ones, the facilitation ones. There's so many. And right now in the space, just to take that step back, there are more and more opportunities whether that's within HR departments and learning and development departments, like you said, or whether it's within ed tech companies that are changing and growing and are being funded at a higher rate than we've ever seen before, which is quite amazing. And so into that world, there, there are new skills to learn. And when we think about our program in specific, we think about three types of things to, to offer. One is how do you get conversancy in the new language, right? How do you get conversancy in the new language of business? And that fits into financial understandings. That fits into understanding of management and management systems. That fits into understanding of strategy and how the company actually creates value. You know, so getting some conversancy in the new language of that business world actually helps teachers translate in a huge way. Secondarily, I think that, you know, as teachers move out of the actually classical education space and move into the business world, wherever that may be, I think there is this really important thing in getting connections, right? Getting the connections with people who do new things, getting connections with people who have new roles so that you actually have a supporting scaffold as you move into that business world and have people you work with, right? And so we think the connections are the second part. And then the third part that we think is so important is actually having the confidence to step up into these new spaces. If there's one thing about the business world right now, it's that everybody is always learning because things are changing so, so, so fast. And so as we think about that translation of, of skills from the teaching world into the business world, we also think confidence is, is so important. So how can we get you the confidence to step into these conversations, step into the ambiguity, step into the new language of the world you're entering so that you can really bring to bear your, your full set of skills. So from the teaching side, we think that, you know, conversancy in a new language, connections to new people and, and a new type of scaffolding, and then confidence in terms of entering these new conversations is so very important. I want to touch a little bit of what you talked about with financial understanding as yeah. it comes to like companies and business world, because teachers get into teaching because they have a good heart and yeah. because they are not looking for something lucrative. They're looking for something that's intrinsically motivating. And a lot of hesitancy, I think, to get into the business world or a corporate environment is the second they start hearing, you know, about the financial um, mm. or economic types of parts of this environment, yeah. they start to feel like it's greedy or they're working for someone that's not going to align with their values. And I want to go into that a little bit because there are education companies, there are ed tech companies, mm -hmm. there are companies even like teacher career coach that has to bring in revenue to be able to provide great support. Absolutely. There's part of that business functioning that in order to have a dedicated team, in order to continue to produce or engineer solutions that help solve these problems, do you feel like 
invited MBA can kind of help people unwrap how a business works without making them feel like they're greedy or taking advantage of people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I I mean, there's so many dirty words here that we're getting into. There's revenue, there's profit, there's there's that dreaded ROI. What's the ROI of this learning, the return on investment of this learning? And I think it's really helpful because I've heard this, I've heard this challenge before from, from many people moving over from the education space, from other spaces as well. It's how do I how do I go there without selling myself out? <laughs> right. And I, I think that there's a really important thing here, which is how do you understand the language that that place operates with? At the end of the day, businesses are a bit like magic. They're manifested out of nothing. And so, just like you manifested teacher career coach and created it out of nothing, you started it with the value. You started it with the mission. You started it with the people you were trying to help. And then had to understand the terms of revenue, had to understand the terms of profit, had to understand the terms of ROI of your time in order to understand how to make it grow and fulfill that mission. And I think many businesses are very much like that. And and I think that one of the first steps that I, I always encourage, and we certainly do as part of the Invited MBA, is encourage you to understand the language that that place uses to operate. And once you understand the language that that place uses to operate, Businesses do use profit, do use ROI, do use that type of language to understand whether or not to do something. And once you understand that as a tool for actually helping you manifest the vision you have, helping you create value in the ways that you want to, then it becomes just more powerful. And I think the biggest thing I say is don't not go into that business world because you're worried about that. Understand the language, push forward with it, and understand how those people make decisions and then you can actually help impart your values in a new way. And I think the business world is looking for people who can do that. And the ed tech world in particular is looking for people who can bring the values that are so inherent to that teacher mindset from the first place into the business world and create value. Yeah, it's you have to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk, yeah. but then you can choose the company and the mission and the values that you want to work for Absolutely. after you're able to translate those skills and after you've built your foundational knowledge in this capacity. I couldn't agree more. I want to go a little bit more into what you talked about, about confidence, because that's something that everybody listening, myself, even everybody struggles with their confidence when it comes to trying something new. And this on paper feels like it is a very male dominated role a role that everybody probably already went in and they got their master's in some sort of business or finance. And Mm. teachers are intimidated to try and, you know, wiggle their way into this world that they think that they're going to get laughed out of. Do you see that a lot from from people who you're you're talking with? A lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of um, hesitancy to join things and just in general, hearing this, it sounds, you know, like business operations. Is that just men? I know from my own personal experience yeah. from working outside of education that I've seen product managers that are women. I've seen, you know, CFOs that are women. I've seen so many different roles. I've seen former teachers in really high roles at education companies that are all women, but just on paper people who are already struggling with imposter syndrome or low career self-esteem may feel like this might not be the right role for them. How can Invited MBA help someone who's struggling with low 
career self-esteem actually feel more confident in these types of positions? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And there's a lot to unpack here, Daphne, right? There, there's the one piece about the, the male-female dynamic, right? Uh, particularly in, in this space. And I'll say that one of the great joys of my life is I've worked for some truly amazing female executives. And being in education, HR, learning, even at McKinsey, which is very classically a male-dominated world, most of the partners who I worked with were women in, in the space of people. And so I think that you do see a lot of changing on that very specific front, thankfully, very slowly for sure, but, but you do see change happening on that front. The other side is this imposter syndrome piece. And you know, as well as I do, all, all the old studies of what is it about some people who look at a job description, see 10 different bullet points and look for the one they can do and say, you know what? Let me apply for this job versus the people who look at the 10 different bullet points and see nine of them they can do and one that they can and say, well, I don't fit that one. I'm not going to apply. And so uh, what we try to impart at the Invited MBA is the A, willingness and language to put forth, hey, this is where I really do offer value. And I think some part of confidence comes from understanding that you do offer value. And you and I have gone over a couple of things that teachers often bring, organizational, facilitator, communicative skills, right? So one is actually having the confidence to say, yes, I offer value from what I bring. And then the second one is a willingness to walk into a place where you're like, well, I don't know exactly what that is. But I know I can wade into that ambiguity and do that. And from an invited MBA perspective, when we designed our, our 12-week program and went for it, we designed it around experiential learning. And we designed it around both of those things. One is understanding what you're good at and being able to communicate that step forward and say, I am good at this. And being willing and able to do that, which those with imposter syndrome often aren't willing to do. And then secondarily, creating an inclusive environment where people get comfortable with the uncomfortable, get comfortable with the ambiguity in the business world. And so if you look at our 12-week program, our three capstone experiences of each pieces are experiential simulations that we've put together to help you wade into conversations around finance, to help you wade into conversations around management, to help you wade into conversations around strategic leadership. And so that when you are looking at jobs, when you are looking at an interview, when you are walking into that interview and someone brings up a topic that you may not have familiarity with and it's ambiguous to you how you create value in that space, you've actually been in an environment that's inclusive where you can share your own value, and you feel comfortable and confident wading into that uncertainty. And so that's how we tackle the confidence side. The truth is the business world is so big and crazy that every every week you're going to have to be you're learning something new. So we often think that that grappling with ambiguity, that willingness to find confidence in a place of uncertainty is, is as important as anything else. Yeah. And I think that this is coming from somebody who has teaching experience. Luke, you know, it seems like you built this with like an I do, we do, you do kind of format where you're giving them the foundational knowledge that they need. But then by the end of it, they have to kind of create these little projects to prove their understanding and to get their hands dirty, which is something that I always talk about learning about something learning about, yeah. you know, product management is a lot different than actually trying and doing it and getting your hands dirty in it. And that's the piece that a lot of people are missing. They're saying, how am I actually going to get experience in yeah. this world if I don't have a job yeah. in that position? And so a lot of times I talk about, well, potentially starting freelancing yeah. in that position to get your hands dirty and just get exposure with a couple different clients in different industries. And that way you can get 
you can understand whether or not you actually like something because on paper, it's easy to say you think you might like one position, but once you start to get your hands dirty, you realize that you don't like it. And this gives them more exposure to multiple types of departments within a business organization. Do you agree? 100%. And let me unpack one thing you said there. You, You kind of said it in passing, but I think it's really important. You said to prove that they can do it. Right. And I think that there's multiple people who you're proving it to. Right. One is yourself. And it's really important that you're proving to yourself. And that's one of the main reasons we do it everything experientially, why we focus on simulation experiences where you're going through something and proving, hey, you know what? I can do this. That's why we also do project based work where it's like, yeah, I, I, I actually am doing it. So I prove to myself I can do it. Uh, secondarily, from the proving side, right? Like there's this whole thing of, of proving it to, to those around you. And so you can actually communicate it. We have a lot of people who go through our program who then use the experiences they had in the program to talk in interviews that they go forward. They say, actually, you know what? I did a consulting experience. I did an, an action learning project as part of this 12-week invited MBA and actually helped a real entrepreneur. And I know I can do that because I did it. Right. And I think that's inherently different than I think I could do this. That might happen. I might be able to get there, but I I know I can do it because I did it. And I think that that is where we really focus. And I think if there was one thing I would disagree with you on, you said when you described pedagogy, it was like, I know you do, we do. I think, was was that the phrase you used? It's the I do, we do, you do. I do, we do, you do. Okay. We actually say you do, you do first. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about how it worked. We're going to provide you the scaffolding. We're going to provide you the coaching and feedback. We're going to provide you the support. But you need to get out there doing it by yourself. Because again, with people who come in with skills, we think it's so important to throw them in the deep end and support them as they figure out their way. Because after a 12-week program, they're going to be thrown in the deep end in other places. And we want to make sure they know that that's not fatal. And that's not the worst thing in the world, that type of uncomfort with being thrown into a new one. And so I would almost put you do first. <laughs> and and in you doing it, we can then help you get to where you need to be because that's actually how the business world works. What types of things do you talk about in the Invited MBA when it comes to like human resources departments? Lots of people who are listening are interested in becoming maybe human resources managers or even the learning and development team that might fall under a human resources department? Yeah, yeah. We talk about a lot of different things here. From the very micro, where we talk about how to become a good manager, right? Uh, Becoming a good manager is one of the, the core skills in the business world because we're always working with people. And whether you're managing people formally or or informally and you're having influence networks, becoming a good manager is really important and how you balance your time as a good manager. Uh, Secondarily, we we talk a lot about the the operations of a company and how that fits into the creation of company culture. It's really not uncommon for people coming over from the teaching world, A, to find themselves in the HR world, and then B, to find themselves in this place where culture is being measured more at companies and we're trying to understand how it works. And so through case studies of of really interesting companies, we actually look into how that culture gets created, how we measure it, how we think about it, and then how businesses actually make decisions based on it. And so a lot of people, particularly those teachers who come with with more of the psychology, the the organizational behavior background, really get attuned to that and, and really enjoy that. And it's a bit of an exposure in terms of how we think about people systems, people processes, and people metrics at, at large organizations. I don't know how to even follow up. That was awesome. I can't even think of a follow-up question. <laughs> well, let me say, can I say something on that then, Daphne? Yeah, do you of mind course. if I do? For those who haven't been in the business world for the last five or 10 years, I think 
you'd be fascinated to see just how sophisticated things are getting around the measurement and the understanding of how people work together. And, and I can use the example of from my last job at McKinsey, we had something called the Organizational Health Index, where we, we actually really did try not only to measure, but to define what culture of an organization is when that organization has hundreds of thousands of people. And, and I think that this is the type of area in the business world that a lot of teachers really gravitate toward because they got into the teaching space because they loved creating environments. They got into the teaching space because they loved, uh, for lack of a better phrase, and my friends will get me on this because I love this quote. It's the quote above Harvard Law School. They love this idea of creating the constraints that set people free because teachers do that every day in every classroom they are. And I think people departments and HR departments are getting more sophisticated about that. And as part of the Inviting MBA, we want to A, expose you to let you know that's happening, and then B, help you have the language to integrate into that conversation. And so it's a fascinating place where companies are going. One of the education companies that I worked at recently, the people department would send out surveys and just ask about, you know, employee satisfaction, ideas that employees have, how they were feeling mm-hmm. specifically about their managers. And then they would go and do, you know, small group kind of coaching sessions with the managers who were struggling in specific areas that they found after watching that data. So any data driven educator who still wants to do some sort of coaching or supporting or be able to actually continue to scratch that teacher itch, that's a role that they would do great in, but they do need to understand how do these different departments work? How does a sales enablement team work? Why does the marketing need to function in the way that the marketing team functions? Because they're still going to give very strategic coaching when it comes to those specific departments. They're going to have to differentiate the type of teaching or learning that they're actually you know, giving to these types of people within the company. 100%. 100%. And it's a fascinating thing because at the end of the day, we're, we're measuring how organizations work and we're measuring how you can create value in an organization. And like you're saying, understanding that language of what sales enablement actually does and how they think about their job actually helps you coach them, actually helps you teach them, actually helps you help their learning in a more robust way. I think it also just, you know, having the basic language helps you understand how you're creating value. And I think that's one of the core tenets of of what we think is so important here. Because understanding how you create value allows you to then navigate your career in a way you see opportunities. And the truth is, teachers coming over are going to see opportunities in a broad array of different ways, right? You're going to have people who who see opportunities in the gig economy and saying, okay, how do I actually plug into this type of company and, and, and work with them? Understanding how that company creates value and how the departments work together is really important there. You're also going to see people who join full-time at companies. Understanding how the company creates value, understanding how the finance team thinks about the world actually helps you say, okay, well, this is how I can actually make the case for new learning for the people, actually make the case for, for new employee development programs. And then understanding that that broader thing of we talked about culture and measurement of culture helps you really understand, okay, where are these companies going and where can I step in to bring my unique skill set, my unique self to create value for this organization. And so I, I think on all of the above, 
we, we, we try to create the language, can create that conversancy and then create the confidence to step into those worlds. Yeah. And going back to that, you know, the icky word return on investment, ooh, but you have ooh, to icky. understand icky. the financial implications of taking time away to do a professional development on something or taking one week to specifically focus on well-being or productivity in the workplace. You have to be able to show the return on investment if you're you know, trying to pitch those types of initiatives at a company, myself even included with my small team, we're talking about implementing new systems, doing new productivity, and all of that comes with a cost for software. Is there a return on investment? Are we going to be able to make the income or the revenue with the time that's saved using and implementing these new systems? And you have to be able to talk about that. You have to be able to prove it. And you, you know, you're smart enough to do it. Yeah. It just takes it just takes learning some new skills and understanding some new concepts. Yeah. And you're on your way. And l- let me just build on that for one second, Daphne. Uh, a lot of teachers will know the concept of Kirkpatrick, right? Kirkpatrick as a way of measuring learning efficacy, both in the moment and the, the different stages along the line. They'll know the concept of Bloom's taxonomy, right? You'll know that these concepts as you've been thinking about learning design and thinking about learning efficacy. This is a place where I've seen in the corporate space more and more the marriage of teaching skills and classical business language and business skills, where when a new learning development program, and I think you you mentioned one, a, a professional development program comes up, you have more and more business leaders saying, okay, well, let me understand how uh, how efficacious this learning is. Let me understand how it actually fits in. And this is where teachers say, well, this is what we see in the moment. This is what we see in behavior change down the line. This is what we see in actually impact of those behavior change. And this is what we see in terms of outcomes. Being able to step on those and saying, from a learning efficacy, we see the value here. From a business efficacy, we see the value here. Actually allows you to make things happen. And it's it's a really important place where the language of learning and the language of business are coming together into a hybrid to actually help organizations train, develop, and, and retain their people in whole new ways. And, and I've seen it more in the last five years than I ever saw in the 10 years before that. But it's a place where we think the marriage of, of learning and educational knowledge, skills, and behavior fits with the business skills and behavior into creating new value in new ways. And teachers are forever learners. We're all addicted to it. We like to continue to grow. A lot of people who are listening right now are maybe just struggling because they feel a little stagnant in their current position and there's not an opportunity to keep trying new things because they're the type of person that wants to continue to grow. And and that's something that I feel like has been lacking in the teaching profession is Mm. the ability to level up and continue to grow in a way that matches your experience level. For me, I'm a dork. I'm obsessed with learning about business management, any sort of any sort of business strategies. And this is not something that I expected from myself. If you would have asked me five years ago, I wouldn't have been reading these books or listening to these podcasts that I do. But teachers are forever learners. When you go into this, when you start to understand these concepts, you'll realize that quickly as you're picking it up, you'll be going down a rabbit hole of, well, what are these other companies using? Yeah, What's efficient in other places? Because you're a forever learner and you want to implement it to see if it works. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with what you said. So I want to talk a little bit more about Invited MBA. So does this program offer any sort of certification for people who are actually interested in enrolling? Does it 
work where you can put it on your resume or LinkedIn? What have you seen other people using this for? Yeah, so we, great question. And we see it on a couple of different places. One is we certainly offer a LinkedIn credential, right? And we put it on LinkedIn and so you can put it out front and center. Uh, We also help people put it on their resume at the end of the day and so that they can actually describe it. In those two places, what we find most useful about it uh, is that it starts a conversation about how they actually continue to push their own learning. Starts a conversation for alums about how they actually have learned something new and actually applied it. And so we see those often come up and we hear from alumni all the time about, hey, I put it on my LinkedIn, I put it on my resume, they asked me about it in an interview and I described our action learning project and then we we went forward with it. And so we actually help communicate it that way and, and spend some time getting that in good shape to go. Uh, secondarily, we offer access to our alumni network, right? And we run we run alumni events. Uh, we run alumni events on a regular fashion. We run time actually helping you push forward with your career, wherever that may be. And that happens in a more one-off way at this point, both peer-to-peer and also us working with you. And so while our accreditation ends up being on these public-facing sites, LinkedIn and, and on your own resume, we also offer the support to actually continue your career because we believe everybody's going through transitions over and over in their career nowadays. Uh, going back a little bit to that, though, it sounds like you probably would be giving a lot of great artifacts that people could use specifically for portfolios when it comes to interviewing, because I know a lot of teachers struggle with mm-hmm. how am I supposed to create something geared towards an audience when I don't have any experience with that particular audience. So if they're doing presentations and they're creating artifacts for your course, have you seen anyone using it for portfolios? So we haven't seen them actually like putting the the presentation up, but we have seen people really adapting their resume after to highlight the experience they went through and then spending a lot of time putting that in cover letters, putting that in the interviews and actually talking about it. So to give an example, you know, one of our action learning projects was working with a ironically, an ed tech company that was starting to grow and starting to scale. And and their action learning project was all about helping crack the code of scalability at a profitable unit cost for this ed tech company. And so we, we heard from many people on that team how often that came up in the interview process after they put that on their resume, and then how they were able to describe what their team did and their specific role within that team and how it fit to the job they were they were applying for. And that makes, I mean, it's a great confidence builder like you were talking about before, um, just being able to articulate what you did and how it can be used and utilized in this new company that you're applying for. I also want to ask a little bit more about like the mentors in the program. How do people inside the program interact with mentors? Yeah, so so we have a couple of different ways. One is we try to actually have a, a slew of different mentors with different backgrounds who lead different parts of our program. And so we bring in different mentors who have business experience, who have um, who have experience across many different fields uh, to run our simulations, which are six of the important moments in the in the course. Uh, we also bring in mentors to actually lead the study group conversations. And so when we're dissecting a company, bringing in people who have dissected the companies, who have looked at these and have done these analyses and help them shape the language, help them shape the conversation and, and facilitate the conversation like that. 
And then lastly, we, we spend some time actually connecting to companies that are out there as well, right? And some of those happen through our action learning projects in terms of helping companies continue to grow and get access to executives that way. And some of them happen through guest speakers where we bring them in and have them share their message, share where they're coming from, and then connect with the participants. In all the cases, we think that the first step for mentors is exposure to people coming from different worlds, people coming with different experiences. Second step is creating a, a community and inclusive community where that conversation can happen. And so we focus those around case study discussions and guest speakers. And then third is creating the network and the connection so that people can connect with them afterwards. And so we always make the time to say, okay, how, how can you connect with that person if you have a shared affinity, if you need support with them afterwards? And we spend a lot of time thinking about that and creating those connections. And those mentors come with all different backgrounds, Daphne. And I know you're, you're probably going to ask me next. Uh, a lot of them come with MBAs and ones who went into those MBAs when they were transitioning. And if I think of our mentors last time, one of them had gotten his MBA when he was transitioning out of the military. And that's another transition point that we find people trying to translate skills from one world to another. Others of them come with years of experience in the business world where it's like, hey, you know what? I used to actually run uh, an HR team here. And now we'll talk about how that goes. And then the last group comes with experience in, in very specific spaces that are probably useful for teachers, which are facilitators, people who actually do independent contracting, people who have actually built up their book of business as coaches and facilitators for corporate learning and development, corporate professional development. And so we expose to a lot of those as well. Yeah, the leadership and development consultants, we actually, I don't know, I think it'll air after this airs, Ooh. but I have someone who works in the department who's going to be on here, who's a former teacher who works with the leadership and development um, consultants that do all of those trainings. Nice. So anybody who is listening for this, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can hear that follow-up episode. I am so, so happy. I know that we covered so many topics today and this will all be in the show notes. But for anybody who's listening who wants to just dive into the Invited MBA program, I have it set up at a link, teachercareercoach.com forward slash Invited MBA, all one word. And I wanted to talk a little bit because this is time sensitive about a special offer that you guys are offering for teacher career coach listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, we have a special offer going right now where the first 10 people get a special deal as they sign up. Again, come to the website that Daphne just gave us um, and say that you came here through Teacher Career Coach, and we would be more than happy to give you a special deal. We're doing it for the first 10. I will say, however, uh, as someone who oversees the program, we started this program with the mission of making business education and business language accessible to everybody and making it accessible to broader populations where you know they have a set of skills that they want to translate. That's you. That's you as a teacher. And so if this sounds any way interesting to you, if, if taking your teaching skills and figuring out how they fit into the business world, if, if building the conversancy in this language of business, if building some connections, building your confidence as you enter into a new space sounds interesting to you, come reach out to us. Come to our website. Let us know you're interested. We want this to be accessible. We never want financials to be the reason why it holds you back. And so don't let that stop you. Certainly, we have this special deal, and, and Daphne's done such a great job of helping us get the word out and helping us understand how we can work with teachers. And so thank you so much for that, Daphne, and we, we will honor that and be super happy about that. Even beyond then, anyone who's interested, please do reach out to us. Please do connect. Please do your own research. There's a lot of stuff out there, and a lot of it is vaporware. 
we have something really real and really valuable that we would love to have you be a part of. And so if you're, if you're so interested, please do come reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to connect. And once again, that's going to be linked in today's show notes. It's teachercareercoach.com forward slash invited MBA. And for the first 10 people who use Teacher Career Coach as their referral, they're offering a $1,000. Gosh, now I can't even think of what the word is. It's scholarship. a $1,000 scholarship. That's right. <laughs> um. I always like to leave some of these little bloopers in because people need to realize that we are all um, very real and make mistakes. Amen. And <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we don't remember the word scholarship, but I appreciate you so much, Luke, for coming on. Yeah. And I mean, this is my pleasure. so much information. And I know people are really excited about having more experts like this on the show. So I just appreciate you for taking the time to be here today. Oh, my pleasure, definitely. Can I, can I give one final story here? Yeah. For all of you teachers who are worried about entering the business world, let me say that what you do right now is much harder than anything you would do in the business world. And I can say this from a very specific experience, which is last year I was an associate partner at McKinsey leading our capability building group and teaching all these clients all the time. And I thought I had it hard. And then COVID hit and I went and stayed with my sister and my eight and 10 year old nephew for a couple of months. And I had one day where I was responsible for teaching my eight year old nephew what the difference was between a ones column and a tens column. And after thinking that I was quite a teacher myself, quite a facilitator in the corporate space, I found myself at a total loss that day. And it was by far the hardest thing I've had to teach for the last six months. <laughs> and so let me tell you that the business world might seem overwhelming. The language might seem foreign. That might seem like that. But the things you've dealt with are much harder <laughs> and we appreciate it so much. And, and our goal is to help you now translate those skills, translate where you come from into this world that that really is valuing them now. And so if it feels like a void you're looking into, if it feels like ambiguity, just know that's normal and know that on the other side is, is plenty of, of great things for you to do. And we'd love to help you get there. So thanks for all that you're doing. And Daphne, to you personally, thank you for having me on. Thank you for, for helping us get out the message. If there's any other ways we can help, please do let us know. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Luke. I want to give a huge thank you to Luke and his team at Invited MBA for setting up this amazing interview. If you want to go straight to apply for the program, you can find the link at teachercareercoach.com forward slash invited MBA or linked in this episode's show notes. Participants of the Invited MBA program learn the nuts and bolts of what make organizations successful, how to grow value, and how to leverage their unique leadership traits. It's a great program. It's held online and at night and on weekends, so it can easily fit into your teaching schedule. Once again, this program is offering a very generous $1,000 scholarship opportunity for the first 10 applicants from our audience, so make sure you mention Teacher Career Coach in your application. The link is in this episode's show notes or at teachercareercoach.com forward slash invited MBA. A huge thank you to all of you continuing to share this podcast and this community with others looking for this type of support. The larger this community gets, the more high quality guests like Luke I'm able to bring on. And for that, I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity. We'll see you on the next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Mm -hmm.